and welcome to episode 198, all about masculinity in Lord of the Rings, being the 198th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of Tolkien for the first time, and right now I'm doing whatever I want to, including talking about masculinity in Lord of the Rings. Today, I am joined by... <laughs> I'm sorry. This is your best intro you've He's ever had. Up. Keep going. He's Don't stop. Keep already. going. Today, I am joined by the obscure, what's your name, TikTok guy. I've been on the show Don Marshall. like four times. It's a long title. I can never get it right. I never remember it. I, it's fine. It's the obscure Lord of the Rings, the Rings facts TikTok guy. guy. Facts guy, that's it. It's fine. I, I can be the obscure TikTok guy. I'm on other platforms, but like barely. Although I, I'm mad at Instagram, but I'm always mad at Mark Zuckerberg. But that's a conversation for another podcast. Anyway, hi. Thank you so much for having me me i'm very excited to be here woo thanks for coming on um before we officially started the podcast we were talking you were saying maybe i should get into podcasting because you don't with with podcasting there's no official comment section and you can just talk about whatever you, which is i mean what we're doing with this episode love it uh talk about whatever you want and trolls will have to Probably the only trolls I'll get from this episode is when I make a post about, hey, go listen to this episode on Instagram or on Twitter. And they're like, a woman talking about masculinity. <laughs> and I'll be like, well, no, that's you know I what, actually, you know, I saw an amazing TikTok by someone. It's a it's a podcast. I completely forget what it's called. But like the sentiment was you as a woman are like the most qualified to talk about masculinity because you yes. experience it. I am. Yeah. Like Thank in you. yeah, you're welcome. But like again, uh, that is that is not my own idea. It is just a sentiment I carry from a people much smarter than me and then I I hope to influence people. I, I put big air quotes for those listening on the podcast. Hope to influence <laughs> all of your thoughts and minds to be more feminine. Fem uh, feminist. I, I also would like to add that I think I would like to think I'm also a little more qualified to discuss these topics because this was a part of my degree that I paid billions of dollars to earn. And I uh, the, the so the story is that I accidentally minored in women and gender studies. <gasps> Did you really? Uh, because I was taking so many classes that had to do with this minor <laughs> that I got to my senior year. <laughs> And realized that I just had to take the intro to gender studies class and no. then I would have completed the minor. That's amazing. So I add, yeah, so I was like, I mean, I might as well. And then, yeah, so I have a communication studies degree uh, with a, it's the most liberal arts thing you'll ever hear, a communication studies major, double minoring in anthropology and women and gender studies. And what, what am I doing with that degree today, kids? I'm making a podcast about... Lord of the Rings. <laughs> to be fair, I majored in journalism and I got so burnt out I left after like less That's than fair. a decade. Well, was it a decade? Anyway, doesn't matter. You know what? You have to go because I I graduated college dead set on working in the nonprofit sector and I did that uh for about three and a half, four years and was absolutely done with it because it's so it's actually Anyone who's worked in the nonprofit sector, you'll know that it's actually a very like toxic environment because you're ex you're very low paid and you're expected to put your entire heart and soul. You're expected to have no work life boundaries. Then I entered the corporate world and I love it. Benefits <laughs> are great. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah. point is, don't follow. No, actually, I think you do need to follow your dreams and ambitions because sometimes it's only through following those that you realize this isn't right for me. And also by, by also simultaneously realizing that sometimes the thing you thought was your dream was actually just capitalism lying to yeah. you. Anyway, sorry, this is about feminism, not the worst. Uh... Well, actually, it's I mean, the two are related, but oh, uh, we are we are here to talk about the concept and um, uh, what am I, adap adaptations? What, what word am I looking for? Whatever of masculinity and how Tolkien writes about it through his characters, because 
Lord of the Rings, even though it was written uh, in a completely different century, which is so crazy, is very often held up as really positive examples of masculinity. Hey, I'm really sorry. My dogs won't stop barking. Do you mind if I just bring them up real quick? Can go, you give yeah, me? Yeah, go do yeah. them and I'll find yeah. this thing that I wanted to read. Thank you. Yeah, give me like a minute. And while Dawn's doing that, I'm going to talk to you about toxic masculinity. Hey there, it's me, Mary Clay from the future. I didn't like the way that I discussed and introduced this topic in the recording. So I'm redoing that now because I want to be as succinct about what I'm talking about rather than discombobulated, which is what I was originally. Imagine that. Toxic masculinity can be a very intimidating and scary sounding phrase. It might be something that you roll your eyes at if you have seen it in headlines or you've seen it in the peripherals of other controversial and hot button topics, but it's important to talk about. If we keep avoiding this issue, it's only going to remain an issue. And yes, it is an issue. I'm going to be real basic here and go by Oxford English Dictionary because I like how they define it. Toxic masculinity is a set of attitudes and ways of behaving stereotypically associated with or expected of men, regarded as having a negative impact on men and on society as a whole. I think that's important that they include that society as a whole. So this isn't something that just men are dealing with. This affects everyone because of how they act and that their actions have consequences to the people around them, which if you've ever existed, you've probably existed near a man. Um, It also says that destructive messages associated with toxic masculinity can lead to men feeling entitled to engage in violence against women. So that's another reason why it's important to talk about this. Uh, Again, it affects everyone. It's dangerous. It is an unhealthy way of living. Now, I think a lot of people are saying, oh, so it's it's bad to be a man. It's bad to be masculine. No, we're just saying that there are negative ways of being masculine, just like there are negative ways of being any kind of a person. There are bad ways of being a teacher. There are bad ways of being a mailman. There are bad ways of being a podcast host. Hey, it's me. I try my best. Toxic masculinity sets these very narrow-minded, constricting ways that men should live their lives. It perpetuates ideas like men can't cry, men can't show emotion. The only emotion that is socially acceptable for men to express is anger, and acceptable expression is violence. It says that men can't be affectionate with other people, especially not other men, that men can't wear pink. These kinds of things that just make it sound like, wow, those kinds of things sound like life would be very difficult to live like that. So that's why it's important to know that those are not the only ways to be a man and that there's more to being a man than what toxic masculinity tries to tell society and boys and men. And some of those ways of being a man are being Samwise Gamgee and Aragorn. Does Aragorn have a last name? Aragorn, son of Arathorn. There we go. So that is the quick and dirty of what this notion of toxic masculinity is, because we're going to bring it up during our conversation. And I want you to know exactly what we're talking about. Okay, I think uh, that's better than what I originally recorded. So back to the conversation where Don and I talk about how great Tolkien did at writing positive representations of masculinity. Woo, that was a lot of heavy stuff. Didn't mean to go that deep. But no, like, no, let's do it. It's a deep concept, you know? It is, it is. <laughs> Although I will say I am a little, I don't know if we'll get into it later, but do you also have Faramir on that list with Sam and book Faramir at the very so, least? So uh, there- I, I know how you feel about movie Faramir. There will actually be, uh, the second half of this episode will be dedicated to F- Faramir. Oh. But uh, yeah, Faramir is- t- uh, uh, Number one, uh, top sweet cinnamon roll boy he can do no wrong. Because <laughs> it, you know, I was I was wondering because you said you were going to have another conversation with someone else. I'm like, she loves Faramir. I love yeah, you you I watch you defend him religiously. 
mm-hmm. over multiple months. He is of the now. he's the one, he's the character that I'm like I could give a TED talk about him. Um, and so I think that's what the second half of this episode will turn into. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> um, so yes, do not fear. Faramir is coming up. But yeah, so S- Sam and Aragorn, I think, are when people are thinking about Lord of the Rings, um, they're they're the two you know two of the main characters two of our main heroes um and they're also uh wildly different characters in terms of how they express masculinity and like the things that they do and the things that they're afraid of and that they're in the moments in which they're brave and those things are all wildly different and so that's what's so great about uh the characters that Tolkien has created is that there's such a wide ranging spectrum. I should say a wide ranging spectrum of male characters. The, yeah. The, 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 the women are just like <laughs> in forests and they're hot. <laughs> I, I will Which say. Which is cool. That, we yeah, love to no, see it. But that's do. always been my main gripe and what I, what I try to explain to other people when they're like, but there are really great female characters in Lord of the Rings. I'm like, yes, but they're not this wide ranging spectrum yeah. of uh, like there are for men there. They're, that just does not exist in Lord of the Rings, which I think I really appreciate then a little bit more. So now that we're talking about it, what Peter Jackson did with like the different forms of femininity with in representing these, mm-hmm. these three, I, I say three, but there's technically four, except Rosie is in like, exactly this is sheila eraser erasure yes i would love to erase sheila from (laughs) (laughs) unless unless if you want to get like real obscure there is a video game called middle earth shadow of war where they oh never mind reveal have you played it um i am getting ready to play shadow of mordor oh okay uh i won't Oh, yeah, it's okay. You could spoil whatever you okay. want to. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm only going to do like one episode about okay. that because otherwise so, we'll be here doing this so show forever. It, you may actually want to bring me back for part two of this conversation after you play the prologue of the second shadow game. Isn't she like, she's like a hot, a hot like spider woman. She, yeah, she like shapeshifts from a giant spider into yeah. like this really ethereal hot pale woman i don't like i if it's very it's very like (laughs) generic pretty video game lady energy and you know just not to take anything away from the from the designers i'm sure they did a great job it just felt so out of left field like if you thought rings of power am i attracted to the spider it's like what (laughs) am i feeling right now this is some dark souls level uh like confusion here anyway sorry uh all of this is to say yes she i would be okay if she got erased and technically there is a yeah woman it's like when they made spoilers for one of the harry potter uh things one of the prequels didn't they make Nag- i, I didn't actually movie? see it i think they made nagini a woman and she was oh, like a yeah. shapeshifter um, or something that got it's a lot of uh, does that make more sense we can cut all of this. that that uh, okay that person has done okay but anyway back to what you were saying <laughs> sorry which I, this is what i think you were saying is that uh peter jackson did a good job of expanding on these three very basic characters arwen who isn't really even in the books at all she's just she doesn't get much of an appearance until you get to the appendices yeah um and and peter jackson did do a good job for what he had of being like okay arwen can be very ethereal and strong in her own way but she's still also just like our hot elven lady mm-hmm. and then galadriel i mean galadriel's galadriel like yeah. it's cape it's cape blanchett <laughs> it and is then cape kind blanchett. of expa- expanding on eowyn's roles and showing her being a more because he could the way that the books are written he uh when, when uh what where are they edoras when they leave to go to helm's deep they leave her behind to keep guard over i don't know the, the 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 older the elderly the children of of the city to be like make sure we don't get i don't know ransacked or whatever yeah uh he easily could have been like yeah a1 stays behind but he like chose to have her be a more active participant Mm -hmm. and that's great what are we talking about oh yeah men i love yes sorry Um, (laughs) we're forgetting to talk about the men and the episode about men so Um, samwise gamgee (laughs) so samwise gamgee um he, uh, as I wrote in my first point, he is a gardener and he saved the world. The end. 
<laughs> like, like, what else is there to say? What else is there to say? I mean, <laughs> the man, excuse me, the Hobbit is just, he's, he's so emblematic of, I think, everything that is so great about Tolkien in his, uh, both simplicity, uh, but mm-hmm. also his sense of like, I don't want to say accomplishment, but like the, the human spirit, even though he's not human, he's because I'm a big World War uh, One history guy so you're like, gonna say i'm a big world war one fan no <laughs> like, no 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 i am i'm very much not a fan of war but i know what you mean yeah in, the in history it, and it's yeah. yeah but just because of my love of tolkien i sort of got sidetracked a little bit by world war one and sort of took a deep dive and you kind of see like obviously you see tolkien's influences throughout but like i look at world war one and then i look at samwise gamgee and i'm like oh this is what tolkien was fighting to protect and it is all embodied in Samwise Gamgee and the Shire and the uh the little uh the the short small person being able to change the world the the three and a half foot character being able to say I will spit in the face of God mm-hmm. yeah because it's this you know ultimately is not a story in which Aragorn is the one who saves the world Aragorn our I would say very typical hero character. Mm -hmm. It's about the literal little guys going to to do their thing and save the world. And it's because of who they are at at the core of like their souls that they are able to accomplish it. That like if it wasn't for um, so for for example, um, what Sam, what Frodo needed when they are in Mordor and they're in the deep of it and you're reading Return of the King and there are these two terrible chapters back to back. Uh, one of them is just called like the Land of Shadow or something. Yep. And it's just them trudging. It's yeah. like it's like seven pages and they're just trudging and they're depressed and Frodo's whining and <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. It's depressing. But it in that moment what frodo needed was encouragement and love and sympathy and affection and not to say that like aragorn couldn't give him those things but the person most suited to help frodo and to give frodo what he needed in those mom- in those final moments before destroying the ring it, it was sam who mm-hmm. was able to provide it yeah. um and of course you know ultimately leading to the iconic moment I can't carry it for you, but I can carry you. Oh, uh, I oh, so I I I have trouble putting into words what that line did to me as a child. And like, oh, I when I was flipping through the book trying to find like moments that I wanted to talk about, I literally I like kind of forget about this moment, and then I read it, and then I just started crying. Yeah, <laughs> just spontaneously burst you. into tears. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's it's one of those moments where like you know. For me as a guy growing up, obviously, I, I was influenced by the the masculinity of the early, late 90s and then the 2000s in ways that, like, I didn't even realize that I had to, like, deconstruct a lot later in therapy. But, like, you, you look at moments in that, like, stick with you that are truly of of a, a brotherhood, of a camaraderie, um, of, a, of a true love between uh two men and and not really in the romantic kind and i often uh, i often wish that english had more ways of, mm-hmm. more ways to to say the word love because there are so many different ways to like cuz like it's affection it's uh admiration it's adoration it's all of these things but like at the heart of it you know it is this really beautiful moment between just two guys helping each other and one of them is is down and needs a hand up and i i can't think of a more uh more emblematic moment in that series and now that i'm thinking about it probably modern media that is you know a better example of of the kind of positive masculinity that we're kind of striving for mm-hmm. at least i am I'm not... i should add that this episode is being recorded before the release of the barbie movie uh, so i think we will see i i don't i don't i'm so excited to see ryan gosling beat ken i don't think y'all understand what uh, that is going to do for the trajectory of society 
You know what's great as well? I found out a couple of days ago that there's a Christopher Nolan movie called Oppenheimer coming out yes. the same day. So, so actually, <laughs> it's been uh, the release of Oppenheimer has been delayed six months. <gasps> Or I Wait, don't maybe really? not six months. Maybe this isn't true. I just saw this a couple of weeks ago. Um, maybe it's not true anymore. But I saw that Oppenheimer was being uh, the release was being delayed, and like obviously this isn't the reason. But everyone was making so many jokes about yeah, because it knew they knew that they had no chance against Barbie. They knew that they would just get crushed so, in the box offices. Uh, as far as I can tell, their release dates are still the same on okay, July so, 21st. So that was a wild uh, that was just a wild rumor or something I saw. I think yeah. so, yes. Oh my god. Oh god, can you imagine if that was true? <laughs> Sorry, we're getting off topic again. Um but yes, all of this is to say I'm the one who brought us off topic. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, no, you're totally right that I uh I uh, that's what makes this story so timeless and special is that uh Tolkien had such a way of creating these characters that uh, I don't think have are, are unmatched in modern media. I I mean, like, I'm sure I could, like, end this conversation and, like, go back and look at what I've watched and enjoyed. I've been like, yes, I love them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that character. I love this, you know, movie or whatever. But, uh, yeah, they're, that's why that's why these movies and these stories stand out so, so yeah. well against the backdrop of like at the same like it like we you and I grew up in an age where there is a wildly popular franchise about fast cars <laughs> and it oh. has I believe oh they're on they're releasing their 10th yep. sequel yeah like that's the world we're living in it's that about is. fast cars go fast <laughs> it is, I will say you want to if you want to talk masculinity the Fast and the Furious series is uh, an entirely different conversation, but I just, I love how unhinged that series has become to the point where, like, it went from, I think they were stealing, like, DVD players or something in the first one, and everyone's like, wow, this Paul Walker's kind of a cool guy, and everyone's muscly and tough, and yeah, this is what a man should be. <laughs> and now they're just, like, dropping tanks out of airplanes. And- <laughs> And John Cena's there, and so is Jason Momoa. Just it like also every... brought us the best naming conventions for movies ever with Too Fast, Too Furious. Yes, yes. No, and also, but don't forget the third one, Tokyo Drift, which is technically a, a prequel because it... I Look, I don't have time to get into all of this, and it has nothing to do with The Lord of the Rings. But um, like... I keep detracting us. Yeah, so Sam... <laughs> Yeah, so Sam drives uh, the Dodge Charger, and he goes... <laughs> it would have been a lot faster if they had a car, I'll yeah. tell you what. <laughs> Maybe it should have been <laughs> the two, um, two towers, too furious. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I stand by that. Yeah. I... I... <laughs> So uh, Sam is also a gardener, yes. and I think that's a very important trait that like we kind of joke about a lot, and they make a great joke of this in, maybe not joke, but like lighthearted moment, you know, a b- little bit of humor in the Two Towers movie mm-hmm. when Faramir is like, and what are you, his bodyguard? And he goes, I'm his gardener. Yep. And then uh, at the end uh, of the movie when they're, you know, being let go... Faramir goes like, in the Shire, gardeners must be held in very high esteem. Yeah. And I don't think he was joking. <laughs> I yeah. think he was being serious, being like, wow, gardeners must be like top tier of society in this in the Shire. If and they are. If they're like you. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, look at the landscaping of the Shire. Gardeners should be held <laughs> in high esteem if they're not already. They 100% yeah. should be. Who do you think mows that lawn, those lawns? Oh, God. So- uh, you know what? I bet you they all have goats. I bet you they don't need to so mow the lawn. Goats. It's just goats so many everywhere. Goats. South farthing, east farthing, whatever farthing, whatever cardinal direction. You know what? I'm That's a question that I don't. Th- this is one of the things that I've lamented about mm-hmm. uh, being in the Tolkien fandom is that Tolkien obviously wrote an explanation for pretty much everything. Yeah. So there's not a lot of crazy wackadoodle theories you can come up with, but asking how did they, how did they maintain the lawns of 
the, the grass, the you fields know, of the Shire. They are I, so plentiful. They are. I think you gotta, I think you gotta just look back to like 18th century England where it was like farmland and some dude with a sickle just going back and forth. And that's it. Yeah. That's yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and also lots of children so that the, the farm, you know, could be maintained. Sam. Rosie had 13 That's why kids. they had children, got, to mow uh, the lawns. That's why they had kids back then. And you, you know got... what? That's why they have kids still today. Yeah. I think <laughs> I think that's the main reason that my brother was born, was so that he could <laughs> mow the lawn one day. But seriously, this, this, this trait of him being a gardener, I think, is really great because gardening has to do with being patient, being gentle, being, uh, you have to be very intelligent to know what, you know, different types of plants and what they need. You have to be very nurturing. You have to be very attentive. You know, you're literally sowing seeds for them to grow and you're trying to, you know, help things to bloom in environments where maybe there there's too much sun or there's too much rain or something, you know, like you're trying to help these things grow and build a better world for the people who are coming after you. That that's just like not someone you see go on these insane vent- adventures a lot of times is like I'm a gardener and I'm going to save the world. Yeah, no you don't. And I I often think about like the profession of Sam because it is so important, but think about what happens if Tolkien makes him the bartender or makes him the sheriff it's like oh yes well of course i'm going to go with him i'm the big strong hobbit that protects everybody else or i i'm a rough and tumble barkeep and i've seen lots of people walk into my bars and i did i like the fact that he is a gardener is so important because it speaks to his character traits and also how he's gonna treat other people People, not that, yeah, yeah. I mean, not that, you know, your profession is indicative of like you as a person, but like there's a certain level of, let's just say this I'd be a terrible gardener. I'd get bored. (laughs) I'd probably kill, I've killed every plant I've ever had. Uh, RIP that bonsai tree that I uh, lost a few years back. Um, And I just, I know I would be bad at it. But uh, for someone like Sam, it is emblematic of his character, very much Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. One great example I love is the gifts that Galadriel gives to the Fellowship. Yeah. Uh, they changed it in the movies and in the movies, uh, what's his name? Sam gets uh, elven rope. This is, I don't know, it's just a, I think it's a very random thing that they're like, rope, he gets rope. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, rope is kind of important in the books. Sam mentions yeah, he, it and forgets. And <laughs> Yeah, it's because uh, I think they ga- they chose to make that his gift in, in the movies because in the book, he has like a minor panic attack when it's just him and Frodo. And he's like, I don't have f- rope. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then he's like, wait, no, I got some from 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 Laurie and it's fine. It's good. He's like, fine. It's all good. It's fine. Yeah. And then they need it for... Gollum and what anyway but in the book um Galadriel gives him it's it sounds really terrible when you just say it but she gives him a box of dirt yes she does (laughs) and you're like what (laughs) it's kind it's kind of like uh how I, I uh you kind of like laugh or be like that's strange when you hear Gimli gets three strains of her hair and you're like that's weird but when you get into uh the actual like meaning of the of the gift of the exchange it's like wow that's actually really beautiful huge implications yeah so sam is standing amongst this line of you know nine people i don't know four of which five of which are extremely you know brave cool action people the other three are hobbits one of whom is pippin you know (laughs) oh hey hey now as Um, as someone who identified with pippin i'm not saying you're wrong there's a reason galadriel didn't give them knives or swords (laughs) she gave them belts (laughs) yeah she's like you she's like i think you'll do more harm to yourself if i give you a knife I'm giving you a belt. Yeah. Don't. You know, you know, that's a really good point. Tolkien really could have made a, a cop out and just said, yeah, I'm just going to forget Tom Bombadil. I'm cutting him and I'm just going to make the swords uh, be obtained by, by Galadriel. Because, of course, she has them. But no, no, Tom Bombadil's still in the books. Also, yeah. another fun, uh, positive masculine uh, force uh, for, for good in the yeah, world. Yeah, this I guy think. who's just like a man of... of- 
nature and is like he's like i'm just out here living trying to live my best life amongst the animals and the trees have you seen trees might try and kill you Uh, that happen every once in a while trees do try and that's that's true here too they're just not sentient uh like in uh, lord of the rings have you seen the uh soviet stage play version yes so you've seen the tom bombadil goldberry scenes for those that haven't seen it and and correct me if my my interpretation is is maybe misguided but tom bombadil in that adaptation feels very much like by wife energy and wholesome and i think in any i feel like in any adaptation he he has that energy i mean like he ha- it's just any of these guys that have these like hot nymph wives <laughs> wives that it's just like yeah yeah no that tracks that tracks so anyway, Sam, anyway so, um, Sam- <laughs> so yeah, he gets so anyway, my point being is that he's standing amongst this line of people and Aragorn is being get is given a, a sheath for a sword um, and I think something else. I don't remember. Oh, um, in the books, the, it's the LSR. The star- stone, yeah, that thing, yeah. the stone or whatever. Um, Legolas is given a bow. Boromir, I think, is given like a fancy belt or something i don't know like like they're given garb for like their armor and their gear and then frodo gets i mean um sam gets this box of dirt and you're like what the hell and inside of it is a sapling seed and gladriel is like you'll need this later and it's so you know like i don't know what galadriel does and doesn't know you know i mean she knows Things that are, are not, and will not yet, you know, Things, come to pass whatever or whatever the line is. is. Things, hang on, <laughs> let, me, let me channel my inner Cape Blanchett. Things that are, things that will be, and some that have not yet come to... No, I, I lost so, it. Something uh, like that. Yeah, that like moment. That. So maybe she knows that, like, when they return to the Shire... Again, we're just talk- speaking in book universe. When they return to the Shire, it's a state of destruction. Trees have been cut down. Everything has uh, everything is dying. Everything that when Sam left, you know, he's a gardener. He tended to everything. This is his domain. And then they come back and it's all destroyed. Um, Tolkien's like not so subtle commentary on like the dangers of industrialization. Not so (laughs) not so subtle as being very kind, very kind. It's more like, hey, I'm going to hit you over the head with this shovel metaphor. Yeah, like. Like, hey, you just read this a thousand page novel. Let's talk about the dangers of industrialization. I told you I don't like allegories. It's a theme, John. Calm down. (laughs) And uh, after the scouring of the Shire, after they've, um, after Saruman has been brutally murdered and bad guys have been run out of town, they now need to rebuild the Shire. And Sam takes this dirt. And he, because this is from, I believe it's from Galadriel's like personal garden. Yeah, um, I, I think that's. If, if not, it's it's just Lothlorien. It's just lo- yeah, it's just like magic dirt. You I know? want magic dirt, even if it's not from Lothlorien. Yeah, just give me any kind and of so magic dirt. And so he takes uh like a tiny sprinkle, and he like goes around the Shire, maybe not the whole Shire, but he goes around and like sprinkles it in places that need growth and need help. And then he takes the sapling and he plants it where the party tree had been cut down. The party tree is where uh, they had all the parties. Um, But like, that's where Bilbo (laughs) gave his speech, you know? Um, And so this was like a very iconic tree. I mean, like, I feel like how many of us grew up and there was a tree in your neighborhood and then one day it got cut down and you're like, Oh yeah. my god. I had this one of those. Is, this is what climate change is is talking about. This is global warming happening yeah. before my very 8-year-old eyes. And so he plants the sapling in its place and nurtures it into and is able to like rebuild the shire until it's flourishing. Um and that's like an extremely valuable thing that Galadriel recognized in him being like, this is something you care about. This is an obstacle that I believe you're going to encounter in the future. And I believe this is extremely powerful. Just like this fancy bow in Legolas's hands is powerful. This box of dirt is extremely useful in your hands. And I know I believe that you will know what to do with it. It's one of those wonderful moments where, you know, Tolkien's 
foresight is so great, but also I can't help but wonder, because like I forget things that happen in books a lot that like I'm currently reading. So I can't help but wonder what it was like when someone who had been reading The Return of the King when it was being released and being like, wait, Sam got dirt? Where is this even coming from? It's like, oh, right, Galadriel. That was how many years ago? And like, I love, I love Tolkien's like forethought into all of this and how the gifts establish the characters. Whereas, you know, Peter Jackson uh, didn't give Boromir a gift. Just straight up Yeah, that's ignored. the best. Uh, it makes me laugh so so oh my god it's so great yeah um, and eat like eat, to the point that like even the belts that mary and pippin ha- are given even they come back because yeah. that's what they find you know it's their wee belts yeah. <laughs> and that's what they find in yeah. the orc pile but boromir no no nothing you don't get any you don't get anything <laughs> four for you you go glen coco and none for boromir <laughs> <laughs> like air like like Frodo is given the vial of Galadriel. Aragorn is given the the <laughs> s- stone of Elisar, Elisar. Elisar. and none for Boromir. <laughs> I think I think in the I think in the book he's given like a belt or a sword sheath or something, um, and they are all given their cloaks. So he does at least get something. But it is very funny. It's it's one of those things. Oh my gosh! And not and none for Boromir. And none for Boromir. <laughs> so I'm um, still laughing at Glen Coco. That was great. And also, lest we forget that when Fro- when Sam is uh, kind of under the temptation of the mm. ring and <laughs> what he's the future that he sees is a future in which he is the hero and it's he is seeing himself as Sam the strong, Sam the brave. He sees a valley of flourishing trees and flowers and fruits and then like Sauron <laughs> as like a valley of fire and destruction. <laughs> so when Sam and I, I I made this reference when I first read this like I don't know three years ago now and I'm making it still to this day in a very Potter musical there is a song between Quirrell and Voldemort and Voldemort yes! is talking yes! about when I rule the world there will be snakes and there you know like it's, I'll it... have rule over everyone and yes! then Quirrell goes when I rule the world I'll plant flowers yeah and that you... oh is Sam that is such a deep cut I <laughs> When I rule the world, I'll plant flowers. When I rule the world, I'll have snakes. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, And then the next line is uh, Quirrell going and Jane Austen novels, which is also (laughs) still Sam energy. Oh, very much so. Very much so. So. I feel like Jane Austen and uh, and and uh, I was going to say Sean Astin. Although I feel like they'd get along too. I feel like Samwise Gamgee and Sean Astin would get along really great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What's well? I'm trying to think of the other line that is so emblematic of the the Sauron. Oh, it's you like plotting a garden, and yeah. I like plotting to kill. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And so, like, I think uh, given that the ring is able to hone in on people's like such inner thoughts and desires, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what's interesting that I'm just now realizing? Do mm. we ever know what is it about? The like, what is the ring drawing on when Frodo is under its temptation? Like, what is Frodo imagining? Like, why is Frodo being so tempted by the ring? What does he think he's gonna do with it? Oh, you know, uh, Frodo's mind is just empty. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's why I we never. <laughs> I don't know if we get the same insight the way we do with Sam for Frodo, because he's. I mean, obviously, he's wearing it a lot. Mm-hmm. And we don't really get I, I, personally, I think Sam kind of saw that because they're in Mordor because like Bilbo wears the ring a lot and he's not like, I want to take over the Shire. No, he just I turned think that's bit... more Tolkien didn't know that this ring was going to become. Yes. Evil. Yeah, that, that too. <laughs> um, but also like the one of the one of the main like. It's one of the main ways that Tolkien shows Sam's character when he puts on the ring. But we get insight into Frodo's character in other ways. But that's a really good point. Like, yeah, yeah, 
So anyway, oh, um, also, cool. uh, when I just like a side note that when I was like flipping through the books, yeah, looking for stuff to talk about, uh, I found the line that I had highlighted. It's when Frodo has just been seemingly killed by Shelob and Sam has warded her off and he's standing over his body trying to figure out what to do. And it says, I've made up my mind, he kept saying to himself, but he had not. <laughs> and uh, that just made me laugh so much because that's me. That's me. Yeah entirely whole vibe and then uh one last thing about sam and his relation to frodo and then grant you know i'll add a big caveat that you can view them as platonic you can view them view them as romantic to me it doesn't matter it is only what is important to you and how you wish to view them and what makes it more meaningful for you as you, the viewer, I mean, you, the reader, are, are reading it because you are not Tolkien. You are you. And it doesn't matter what other people say if you find more meaning out of these characters and their relationship by viewing them as platonic. That's awesome. If you find more meaning because you view them as romantic, that's cool, too. They have such a deep connection. Sam is such a loving, caring person that Frodo recognizes he will not be able, he will, as long as Frodo is there, Sam will always be worrying about him. Sam will always be preoccupied with caring for Frodo. And Frodo is like, I want him to have his own happy life with his wife and a billion kids. <laughs> and so he leaves the plane, this plane of existence because their connection is so strong. Um, also, you know, Frodo's deeply depressed and yeah, I that's mean, there's kind of the, the only place that he can find go on to have any kind of peace. Yeah, no. um. <laughs> there's there's no happiness in the Shire for him anymore. It has yeah. been saved, but not for me. Yeah. And um, their parting, of course, leads to an extremely important line said by Gandalf. They are all, uh, you know, they're hugging goodbye. Frodo kisses Mary Pippin and Sam um, as they're saying goodbye and Gandalf says I will not say do not weep for not all tears are an evil so we have freaking Gandalf the white at this point at the end of this a billion page novel quest billion the page. most epic story you know written uh, by man at this point and Gandalf is saying not all tears are an evil. It's okay to cry. It is okay to cry. It really yeah. is. And that yeah. is, I think that is so, I mean, you look at Tolkien's life, you look at what he has had been through up to that point with losing his his parents and the war and most of watching most of his friends die in that war and then coming back to, uh, I, I, I often wonder like, what Tolkien would have been had he not uh, fought in the war and like mm -hmm. how the Lord of the Rings would be different because obviously the story was in his head for a while but the the camaraderie and the brotherhood and the I don't want to say positive masculinity that comes out of war but the the um, the kinds of people that will stand by you no matter what and yeah. that is Sam at sometimes to a fault right because Sam Samwise Gamgee will never stop worrying about Frodo and Frodo's like he's an it. anxious boy it's he, fine yeah he is I mean aren't we all we're all just a couple of anxious boys here um <laughs> but you know who's not anxious Aragorn I'm sorry you can yes, cut that I this think he is still anxious <laughs> I think he's anxious a lot. I think he's like, oh my god, I'm just, a I'm a three year old child and I have the weight of the world on my shoulder. Actually, no, he doesn't find out until he's like twenty. But anyway. yeah, he's in, still. That's listen. If you found out you had the weight of the world on your shoulders at twenty, I'm I'm not sure I could do it now. And I'm yeah, many your years foster past. dad is like, hey, so I know that I raised you. It's like a that scene in a Easy A where uh, what's her name Emma Stone's younger brother is talking about like well obviously like you know that has nothing to do with me because I'm adopted and Stanley Tucci the dad goes like what who told you and like that's kind of what I imagine happening in this conversation of Elrond being like son I have something to tell you you're not an elf you're a mortal man and you are actually the most important mortal man known to everyone and Aragorn's like yeah I'm obviously not an elf and Elrond's just like who told you <laughs> you've given me so many amazing I'm gonna make that a, a tick you gonna make that a what? tiktok uh, who told you Stanley Tucci's just yeah. 
Um, Aragorn, uh, I started out my notes on this um, with, I just, like, where to begin? <laughs> um, uh. Because for me, he is the, not, not to say that Sam isn't great. I just said a lot of really wonderful things about a character that honestly is, if I was ranking my favorite characters of Lord of the Rings, Sam wouldn't necessarily be at the top of the list. Really? I find him annoying. Oh, Okay. Well, I appreci- I can still recognize these amazing qualities and the importance that he has in like the larger world. Respect. Respect. I still find him deeply annoying. Um, <laughs> he's just so needy. Anyway. Wow. Um, okay. We're gonna fight about this later. That's another episode. But anyway, carry on. Carry on. It's fine. I'll add you to the to the list of yeah. Tolkien new, talkers you, you I and, fight with. You new and you better have top. beef. Uh, you you and me with Sam. It's fine. For me, he is the perfect example of how someone can be, because Sam is, I would say, in a lot of ways, not traditionally masculine. Mm -mm. He cries a lot. He is afraid a lot of the times. He uh, doesn't know how to fight. Um, You know, he's, he, uh, yeah. So in a lot of ways, he doesn't have these traditional masculine qualities. When I imagine uh, guys who are like, who are watching Lord of the Rings and being like, oh, I can't relate to Sam because he's not a real man. Aragorn's a real man. And mm-hmm, he is mm-hmm. a quote unquote real man in very positive ways. And so when these like super intense guys get into Lord of the Rings and they're talking about it, I feel like I'm like, hey, you're being tricked <laughs> because Aragorn is actually, you're holding up Aragorn as being like this example of what a man is supposed to be like. And I'm like, yeah, he is what men are supposed to be like. He is, he's very strong and noble and brave and he is a leader and yes those are like these traditionally masculine qualities he also kisses his uh homies on the forehead they kisses his male friends on the forehead they hug and the ways in which he is traditionally masculine do not harm other people he for example in uh after the battle of minas tirith whatever it's called uh he waits to go inside Minas Tirith. He is rightfully the king of Gondor. And he doesn't want to step on anyone's toes. <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I don't want to cause a ruckus. And uh, he would. I'm, not, he I'm would. not the focus right now. I am not important. What's important is this larger goal of how can we support Frodo and Sam over in Mordor. And so like that's something that he doesn't he just he's so great. Um, he is. He really yeah. is. He is also we talked a bit about this in the Women of Lord of the Rings episode because Andy from Tolkien with Friends picked Love Andy. Ooh. Okay. Yes. And I t- I was like I was like you have the entire Silmarillion as well. Um I opened it up to the Silmarillion because the Women of Lord of the Rings gets a bit scant yeah um and she picked ireth and so we talked about the houses of the healing and it's so valuable that the king is seen also healing people Mm -hmm. nurturing people Mm -hmm. tapping into what faramir eowyn and is it mary no it's pippin no it's mary it's It's mary Mary. who's in it's mary Yeah. yeah um and being like seeing into their soul and bringing them back from the brink of death and darkness and being like, I know you were just super depressed, but like you have things to live for in this world. Side note, just always going to bring up that like Faramir wakes up and is like, oh my God, my king, I'll do whatever you want. Eowyn wakes up and is like, oh my God, my brother, I'm so glad to see you. And uh, Mary wakes up and is like, is it lunch? (laughs) Where's food? <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> He's Priorities. like, I'm hungry. Is it time for breakfast? Yes. Yes. And it that's is. so yeah. So that's just like extremely important that especially for a broken nation that these people are now seeing their king. Because remember what their previous leader just did. <laughs> a little, uh, <laughs> little bit of self-immolation there to yeah. uh, to make everybody feel like. They're right as rain. So uh, the the bar is pretty low for on the leaders on of the Gondor. Floor. And then this guy comes in and he he has to be brought into the city because he doesn't feel it's right. He doesn't feel that this is the right time for him to 
take back his his position. And then he uh, has this not this obscure knowledge about this plant. Um, yeah, so Aragorn is just like you know a plus whatever. We love we love him. We love to see it. Um, in uh, the aftermath of the War of the Ring, when after the Ring has been destroyed and he's you know the king and everything. He shows a lot of mercy in ways that maybe traditional leaders wouldn't. One example is the, I think he's a guard or something, Baragond. Yes. And he technically like disobeyed orders because he refused to set <laughs> Faramir on fire. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm sensing this is a bad idea. You want to you want to talk about about positive masculinity and non toxic masculinity? Don't Baragond. set your Baragon. Oh. <laughs> don't set your friends on fire. Plain friends, and simple. This is. Okay, this is perfect because I have had a meme saved from Jonathan Van Ness and he is saying friends don't let friends do what? Use box die. And I'm going to, I've been waiting for an opportunity to edit. So friends don't let friends do what? Set their sons on fire. There you go. There you <laughs> uh, go. Yeah. And so uh, instead of like, he very well could have been like, exiled from Gondor and all this stuff but instead he is made like the I don't know like personal I forget the exact position but like the personal guard of Faramir and Faramir now has this extremely important title and so like he's essentially you know been promoted yeah Faramir Um, becomes uh Faramir actually I I think he it's it's a fun loophole that I think if I'm remembering this correctly he technically is exiled but because his exile is to protect Faramir because Faramir becomes the prince of Ithilien. They both go to Ithilien and it's like, this is exactly what I wanted. This is amazing. This Thank is you great. so much. Thank you so much for this exiling me. Thanks, great, yeah. new king. Yay. Yeah. And maybe the way that Aragorn did that, maybe he did that because he knew that yeah. there would be people in the city who are traditional and would be like, hey, why didn't you exile this guy who, you know, technically committed treason? Like you're, you know, whatever. It's like, I did. I just exiled him to mm. this beautiful land you're going to disney our, world and he is serving our prince you know yeah <laughs> and then of course uh especially like everything about boromir's death mm. both in in the movie and in the book yeah um because they both have different uh the the movie has obviously like a lot more emotion added to it than in the book where what's his name aragorn just goes and, fi- and finds boromir and they have like two words of exchange and uh aragorn's like where did he go and then it was like and boromir said nothing else for he was gone and yeah. then like that's like how he dies yeah but uh he boromir is uh and again I'll, we'll talk more about this later but he's just kind of had this realization that like oh i did the very wrong thing did. now i'm suffering for you it did. and he's like i failed and aragorn says you did not fail i believe in the in the book he says you conquered yes um and aragorn means that ultimately you realized what was happening and that the ring was pulling on you and you in one way or another were able to break out of that hold Mm -hmm. you conquered you protected sort you sort of protected mary and pippin i mean they've been taken off by orcs but they're alive (laughs) he tried there was an attempt he tried and you know know that gold star you tried thing (laughs) mostly he is just Boromir is just heartbroken that he has let he believes that he has failed Gondor and that Minas Tirith will fall and Aragorn's like I will not let that happen and then uh, in uh this is an expansion that is added in the movie where Boromir says what is it my my captain my my brother my captain my king yeah yeah oh great and then line. dies forehead kiss Aragorn is crying um, and then in the book, they, I think it also might be an extended edition scene. I can't remember. Um, but they give him a kind of proper send off and Aragorn sings a, you know, mourning song for him. Um, and these are things that like traditionally bros might not do, you know, that they might not be smooching their bros as they're dying and holding their hands and saying, you know, my captain, my king and singing for them as you send them over a waterfall. Yeah, <laughs> that details fine. Um, but it's uh, you see this guy who literally just finished having the most epic battle in which an orc threw a knife at him and that wasn't planned. And Vigo Mortensen <laughs> actually 
<laughs> flicked the knife with his sword and that wasn't a part of the choreography. You just saw him having this epic fight, epic battle, and then immediately followed by a very heart-wrenching scene in which they're not, neither of these men really are, uh, you know, hiding their emotions. They're being very open and honest about who they are. Um, and they're not mocked. The This is not played down by in the movie at all the other characters that should like legolas and gimli show up legolas is like oh my god i've never seen death <laughs> this is weird yeah um yeah the end <laughs> that, I, and it's one of those uh aragorn is such a unique character to me because there's so many different tropes of of the the stereotypical you know king without a throne sort of thing and there are so many ways that Tolkien could have written him. Um, and, and honestly, I, it's it's one of the reasons why I think uh, in the early 2000s, the Peter Jackson, the first Peter Jackson movie, the, the Fellowship was not as, not that it wasn't as well received, but like there was a very specific vocal subset of fans that were like, you completely changed Aragorn as a character. The fact that he wants to be king is so important. And I thematically for a movie, I get why Peter Jackson did it. But it is one of those things that I look at Tolkien, Tolkien's writings and I say, this is a very distinct choice about like a guy who is, uh, what's that line from Wicked? Has greatness thrust upon him? And you don't really find that out until the appendices. But Hang like, on, he... did you say that line from Wicked? Yeah. As in the musical with... Yes. Um, with with uh, Kristen Chenoweth and yes, Nadine Menzel. Uh, I just uh, that's just very funny because that's not where I know the line from. Oh, <laughs> but where I know the line from is going to be very pretentious. Oh, it's a Shakespeare play. <laughs> oh, oh, wait a minute. And you know what? Now that I, we can cut all of this if you really want, but I'm going to go on a slight tangent. I think it's are people born wicked or do they have wickedness thrust upon them? And I got the quote confused. <laughs> So I might be thinking of the same. I might be thinking of that same oh, Shakespeare quote. Uh, it's from quote. Twelfth Night. That's it. Yes, it is from Twelfth Night. Yes, it is from Twelfth. Wow. A, that was just a. That was a Google search, by the of way. I didn't. All of the. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry. I, I was like, I didn't know that line was in Wicked. Interesting. No. No, it's not in Wicked. No, it's but not you're. In you are. Yes. Yeah, some I, the, have. Yes. Greatness sorry. thrust upon them. Yeah. And, and Aragorn takes takes such agency, and his character is so. Uh, God, I don't even I don't even quite he's, know. He's very he's in in the book. He is a very active participant in his quote unquote fate. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I understand what the world is asking of me and I am not going to run from it. I'm not going to hide from it. I think a lot of times there are these tropes of like, uh, especially like especially in media of like men not wanting to accept responsibility mm -hmm. for either like things that they've done uh, for things that they've done or things that are being asked of them. And we have this character who is accepting that responsibility. He's not trying to hide from it. He's mm -hmm. like, I know who I am. That, uh, that's, I mean, that's also just another thing is that in the book, Aragorn is very uh, confident and like he, he knows who he is. He knows his identity. And that's, I think, very powerful because a that's also just like a general thing that a lot of people spend years and like, you know, a, a lot of parts of their lives wondering like, who am I? Mm -hmm. I'm <laughs> like, still what doing is the that. World, I'm what is the world asking that. of me? What is my place in the world? And that's like really, I think, uh, unique to see that we have someone who is being told his place in the world and rather than denying it or running from it, he accepts it with... um with a lot of like grace and humbleness too. Oh sure, because he sure. could go around being like, "I'm the king of Gondor. You have to do what I say." Exactly, and I think that's like that's one of the those those tropes that I was talking about before. Like he could very easily just be like that stereotypical. Well, well, I'm in charge now, so so Gandalf, go away. Um, which I I think he he kind of does that in a very positive way and not like to be mean-spirited or to be in charge immediately after Gandalf dies Aragorn yeah. is like all right I'm gonna lead you now and I think that's a, a wrecking I think that's a recognition that he's like this is what the group needs you need you know you're working on a group project and sometimes you just need to be that person to be like this is what's gonna happen and I'm going to 
take charge and yeah. I'll put my name on everything yeah. of this group project. But yeah, a- Aragorn in that moment is like, he's looking around and he's like, what they need is structure. What they need is a reminder of what we're doing because otherwise we're just going to be stuck here sitting in our grief. Yep. And that's not what is going to help us in the long run. What we need to do is we need to keep going. Um, here's our, you know, here's our plan of action. Let's go. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's sorry. It. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like, no, you're I'm good. trying to think of another example for this one. I'm just like, yeah. I, the thing is, is just, he's such a consistent character. Like I'm trying to think of like any examples where like he falters or like he has oh, a I, moment. I of... know one immediately. Oh, uh, please, it's, please. It, it's the, the only time really that I've been angry, that I was angry with Aragorn when I was reading it. And Which is... they, in Return of the King, they... Aragorn, I believe it's Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas. They return to Edoras before, because um, they've kind of like split up a bit. Yes. And they return to Edoras, and he has a conversation with Eowyn, and they're saying like, yeah, we're going to the paths of the dead. Mm-hmm. And Eowyn is saying like, take me with you. I want to do something. I'm tired of just sitting around waiting and doing nothing while everyone is out fighting for our people and in Aragorn says like well it's not your response like you're not able to come with us because you need your either your brother or your uncle needs to be here to give permission Mm. (laughs) is essentially what he says he's like I don't feel comfortable saying yes you can come with us because your brother and uncle are not here to weigh in on this is that a is that a is that a gender thing is that like a masculinity thing or is that like I a right to know. rule th- it's just the exactly. only time you've been angry i think it could uh, i think it i think you can explain this away by saying well he's saying this because she has been told that it's her job to stay here mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. rule over the people left behind and he doesn't want her to abandon that role i think you can say that mm-hmm. but i think it's because of um sexism yeah. <laughs> um which is fine I, I, sex uh, is okay no sexism is not fine but it's you know anyway um sorry so we... yeah so like that's kind of the what but you're totally right that like this very brief moment that you can also find another explanation for that makes it like not really about sexism it, it does show that, like, he's just kind of all around a good guy, which I understand what you were talking about, too, that, mm-hmm. like, that's why er- that's why Peter Jackson had to make some of these changes is that, like, it's not always interesting to just watch a character who, no matter what, is always gr- I mean, but, like, that's what he is in the movie anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of all all I've got to say about about Sam and Aragorn. Were there any other points or quotes or moments about about either of them that you we, wanted to bring up? We've covered pretty much all of the things that I think are like the most important. I'm trying yeah. to rack my brain for like any small moments, but honestly, you, you did a wonderful job like making me remember all of the important stuff. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I think just uh, at the end of the day, just kiss your homies goodnight. That's the, really the, the 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 main takeaway that I get from yeah from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, kiss your homies. Kiss your homies goodnight. Interesting contrast in real life, which is that uh, Viggo Mortensen when just he, made out with everybody, just kiss. Yeah, that too. But also when he would greet the other oh. cast members, he would like headbutt he them. Would headbutt them. That's right. Uh, don't do that don't headbutt your friends. <laughs> don't headbutt don't kisses headbutt your male friends that goes for any of you consensual kisses only <laughs> yes 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 maybe maybe like if you're wearing helmets and it's very gently don thanks for coming on to talk about um masculinity in lord of the rings as it is portrayed i think that's the word i was looking for at the start of this episode portrayed uh, portrayed do you want to re-record Sam that thing born. in the beginning and we yeah can... let's just re- delete everything that we've already done go Listen, back to the i've beginning. got nothing to do today but clean my house <laughs> this is an excellent escape thank you for coming on uh, thank uh, you so much for having me it's a pleasure what being are you here. working on where can people find you on the internet what do you want to tell the people you can stay tuned for <gasps> We have our Pride Month merchandise coming out, our Tolkien-themed Pride Month Woo! merchandise. Um, and I'm very excited. I, I I don't know if I will have released it by the time this is released, but just in case, 
very excited. Uh, we're working with the Trevor Project again, as we have the last two years. Uh, and I'm just, I've been very grateful for all of the support that everyone here has shown uh, Chris and I. It's a great fundraiser for a really great cause that's going to go uh, help uh, some of the people that need it uh, the most. Some help yes. people that need it the most. And that is where we are going to leave this week's episode. Now, as much as it pains me to say that I did one episode for the women of Middle Earth, and I'm doing two for the men well, that's what happened. Now, I set out to do just one episode, but then I recorded with Don for over an hour, and then I recorded with next week's guest, Emily, for an hour and a half. You know what? That's on me. I should have seen it coming. I played myself. So next week, come back for the Faramir TED Talk. <laughs> That's What I'm Talking About's cover art is by Vaishan Brandon. You can support him on Instagram at Vaishan Designs. You can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash TolkienAboutPod. Follow the podcast on social media at TolkienAboutPod, and you can follow me on Twitter and TikTok at MCWhatsUp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support the podcast, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different levels of support that are available. Although if you join any level of support, you will get access to top secret information. That's right. It's so top secret that the FBI is after me. That's a lie. FBI, please don't come after me. Thank you so much to all of my patrons, but especially this week's sponsor, Johan. Johan, thank you for your continued support of the podcast. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. Hey, that being said, Don, do you have any parting words for the audience? Anyway, uh, I am Don Marshall 72 on all social media platforms, uh, but I don't use Twitter anymore because it's a terrible website. That's cool. That's valid. <laughs> because that is a perfect example of some toxic masculinity. Boy, howdy, is it? <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. <laughs>